all have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey. You've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. And as usual, we have a very lectual show for you today. I have invited Mickey and Mallory of Casual Swingers onto our show. I am so thrilled to finally have them on here because we're going to talk all about swinging, open relationships, some of their personal experiences in the swinging lifestyle as well, and a whole lot more. But before we start our chat with Mickey and Mallory, I want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, the biggest worldwide resource for adult sex education, where you can also access the world's largest open-minded dating platform. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So get ready to shamelessly embrace your lectuality with Mickey Mallory and I. Let me tell you a little bit more about my special guests today. Mickey and Mallory are a 30s and 40s couple living their best lives while trying to be parents, friends, podcasters, family, and of course, the sluts of the neighborhood. Ooh, I love that. With over 13 years in the lifestyle, they've seen and done almost everything on their list and more than a few things that weren't. Residing in the center of the universe, Orlando, they battle tourists, geriatric drivers, and the blazing sun, all while seeking a lifestyle less ordinary. You can stop in and join them for a while because you never know what you're gonna get. I love that. In addition to that, Mickey and Mallory also have an amazing podcast all about the lifestyle called Casual Swinger Podcast, which you need to check out after this. And they also have a very kinky and sexy toy store on their site. So you're going to want to check that out at casualswinger.com. Now, normally during my show, I answer letters to Lexi, but I have so much to talk about with Mickey and Mallory today that I'm not going to get a chance to go through all of those, but I will answer you anyway if you want me to give you some lectual advice. Just write in to me at Lexi at LexiSilver.com. That's Lexi with an I, a silver with a Y, and connect with me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, OnlyFans. So come and get lecture with me on all of those platforms. Welcome to my show, Mickey and Mallory. Are you ready to get lectual with me? Oh, so ready. <laughs> I feel I feel like I already am because I really consumed your book in the last two days. So uh, literally, consumed. I'm yeah. deep in your head right now. Oh, that's a good place to be. It's very dark and <laughs> depraved in there. Oh, it's it's twisted. I'm we not like gonna it. lie. We like it that way. <laughs> Well, it is so flattering that you enjoyed my book because I am big fans of yours too. And, you know, not your book. We haven't gotten there yet, okay? You're going to eventually have to write down (laughs) all of these sordid tales that you have experienced over the years, which I want to touch on a little later. But, you know, you've been doing your podcast for for a while and I'm curious how that all started. Like, why decide to go out there and share what it's like to be a swinger with this community? You know, it, it's less sorted of a tale than you would think it is. So <laughs> we, we've been doing this two years in September. 
that's our second anniversary of Casual Swinger. Am I right about that? Yeah. Okay. I got that right. I can't get our anniversary right, but I can get Casual Swinger. Or my birthday, but that's okay. (laughs) It's really not my fault. Her birthday is four days apart from my ex-wife's and I get it wrong every time. Good thing I like your calendar. Uh, I suck at it. I just do. I, it's, <laughs> I should right. send him a meeting invite. But how did we get into podcasting? So, you know, I couldn't spell podcast three years ago. Honestly, I just, it was not something that, that I really got into, but we've been in the lifestyle going on 14 years. So this is something that we've always just had as a part of our life, most of our relationship, frankly. But when it came to sharing experiences, you know, we listen to a lot of other content creators out there. We love what they do. We really do. We love the people that share their personal experiences, the people that coach and help other people out. But, you know, with what we do in our normal day jobs and what's brought us to this point, we're storytellers. We really get out there and, and have fun and share. It's just, when anybody listens to our show, they say it's like hanging out with us in the living room. And we felt like that would bring a different dynamic to it. We felt like we had something to say. I have a journalism background as well. So I felt like we could bring a journalistic slant to a lot of things we did. And we said, you know what? It would be really fun to start a podcast. Now, a couple of things happened pretty quickly after that. First of all, we realized that it's not always a lot of fun to have a podcast. (laughs) We thought, hey, maybe one day we'll get a sponsor. If you want to be a, if you want to be a millionaire, start a podcast as a billionaire. It costs a lot of money to put together a podcast. But what we figured out was that we really loved the community that showed up that really needed to have conversation about this. So why we started it, we just thought it might be something fun to do. But why we're still doing it is the community that's out there and that it's brought us together and forced us to take time to talk about what we do, why we do it, how we do it, who we did it with, and to share it with other people. It's actually given us an opportunity to get closer together at the same time. I have to agree. It sounds a little selfish now that we put it that way, but it, it's honest. So it was supposed to be this fun hobby project for us um, because, again, we've been in it in so long. We've met so many amazing people. That was another facet that I didn't think about when we started it. How many of these wonderful people we'd be introducing to, to others yeah. and have conversations with all these different backgrounds. Yeah. And we actually modeled it after Lucille Ball in her variety show Yes, because <laughs> that particular show, you never knew what you were going to get. They did some wacky shit and that's really how we roll. You know, one time we might have a great sexy author on and then the next time I get my ass wax live on the air. That happened. <laughs> Very Howard Sterney of you. Oh, uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little bit. My nose isn't quite as big as his though. <laughs> Mine might be, but anyway, that's another story <laughs> for another time. <laughs> well, I mean, we have a great community, us, in, you know, in the swinger lifestyle. And I think it's really amazing that you're able to give back to that community just by doing what, you know, yes, it benefits you, right? You enjoy doing it. It brings you closer together. So those are all good things, but also it really benefits the community. And, you know, when it comes to swinging or any kind of open relationship, there's so much to know. Everyone, uh, so many people have it wrong when they're not actually in an open relationship. But that wasn't really the case for you because, you know, you knew kind of going into your adulthood, uh, much unlike me and some other folks that I know, that open relationships were normal, that this was something that people did and it wasn't weird. How did those early influences kind of shape your understanding of relationships? So for me personally, I didn't find out till after the fact. Um, We've told our listeners before that, you know, we're second generation swingers. And I think that was much more forward in Mickey's life than it was in mine, especially going through puberty, young adulthood. I didn't find out till way after the fact, but a light bulb went off 
because I was having experiences, albeit not being discussed in public because it seemed very taboo, socially speaking, um, whether that was bisexuality or multiple partners at the same time. So when it came to that conversation with my parents, I was almost angry at them. I was like, you could have made this so much easier by just telling me. Um, And I wish you had because I think it's genetic. (laughs) I really do. And here's why. But I also felt comfortable at least trying to explore as scary as it was and being in that vacuum. I knew I was attracted to girls. And even though socially it wasn't really acceptable, I wasn't going to let that stop me because I was very drawn to it. The people that were in that teeny, 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 tiny uh, circle that I could say something to were very accepting to my benefit. So I'll let Mickey elaborate a little further there. Well, I hit a wall, right? So I, I was definitely raised in a, in a more sex positive environment. And uh, my, my mother was, was a sex worker at one point and also a lifestyler. And, and so she was always extremely open about this sort of thing. So I kind of thought everybody was. And that was a really rude awakening uh, when I, I started to expand my circles and I was really unabashed and open about sexuality. And, and I was called a lot of names. Pervert comes to mind. For a while, it was a little bit heartbreaking because I, I started carrying shame because I thought I was broken. I thought something was wrong with me. And I really didn't put my finger on what it was until I was older because I was just, I thought it was normal. So I didn't think of it as lifestyle or that I, that I just, it was normal. And I don't know how else to put that except that your attraction to somebody doesn't, attraction, affection, intimacy, they're, they're all very different things, right? And of course, as I delved deeper into it, and as I got a little older, ego started to play into it, which really doesn't belong in the bedroom at all. But as a young man, I was really, you know, that's pretty common. So all these things really kind of boiled up to being who I was. But it took me probably well into my 20s to really accept it and realize that my acceptance of me and who I am is vastly more important than anyone on the other side. Oh, that is so beautifully said. And that's so true, you know, that being shamed for being a quote pervert, which I'm taking it back by the way, like in terms of the word pervert doesn't have to be a negative thing. Per- being a little perverted is. Oh no, I'm into some bad. depraved shit. So yeah, I'm down. Like, I'm a fine. pervert. It's fine. Yeah. It's like slut shaming. I've been slut shaming my whole life. Who says slut is a bad word? Exactly. I embrace that shit. Call me a slut. I'm a slut. So what? Mm-hmm. You know, sluts are a good time. Let's do this. Yeah. But that shame, you know, of doing anything that's not I guess, I don't know, considered the norm. Let's say the norm for most folks, right? So heterosexual and monogamous, let's put it that way. And so, you know, Mallory, I totally hear you with the whole, you know, knowing that you were attracted to women and, you know, wanting to explore that bisexuality or at the very least, you know, it's so amazing to be able to do that in the lifestyle because, you know, bisexual women are really embraced, but not the same specifically for men. Have you noticed that too in, you know, throughout your, your exploration and everything of the swinging lifestyle that folks, that men who are bisexual or who try to play with other men are shamed or kind of not as embraced, I would say, by our swinging community? I think there is a lack of celebration for bisexual men in this community. And I think I've, I've personally seen it start to trend a little bit in, in the more positive form. You know, more guys are talking about experiences with pegging and more guys are starting to talk about being openly bisexual and conversations we're have on the dating scene. And I see 
more of that happening, which tells me that these guys are starting to feel more confident in themselves and talking about it. But I still think there's a lack of maybe not acceptance because it's a very accepting community. I just don't think it's as celebrated as bisexual women. I think there's a large chasm between acceptance and celebration. First of all, when it comes to sexuality, it's not up to me to accept shit about your sexuality. That's that's point. yours. That mm-hmm. is personal. If I'm not funding you or fucking you, it's not my business. I got that from my daughter, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so as far as acceptance goes, I don't care who accepts my sexuality. I, now, celebrating, it's another matter. If you choose to do that, that's something we might choose to do together. Or that's my, you know, something that, that we choose not to do at all. I'm personally not bisexual but it doesn't bother me in the least. I was raised in the company of an amazing gay man who's my uncle and he's utterly fucking fabulous and I love everything about him. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter to me what someone's choices are. Now, I have been hit on by guys and that is, is just as flattering for me and I just say thank you, but I'm straight. It's really easy. It's easy to do. I actually had this conversation with our youngest son. He goes, what do I do if a guy hits on me? I'm not, I'm not into that. And I said, you say thank you, but I'm straight. I appreciate that, right? Don't be a dick about it. And that's, I mean, I wish I could actually make that like an ongoing thing. I said, I'm going to start a political party called the Don't Be a Dick Party. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get on board with that. But that's, that's actually a good point because I also hate the word tolerance. Mm-hmm. That means you're oh, going to put up with me. And I, I don't like that one either. No, yeah. I, but you yeah. made a good point. Like it would never stop us from playing with a couple with a guy who's openly bisexual either. That's not something that would ever be a hinder to us. And like the first time we had a conversation like that, we were a little taken aback. We're like, that's cool. Do you like burgers and beer? Because right. it just wasn't a dinner. thing. We didn't like, care. I, it was, it, we felt flattered that he was open enough to say that. I will judge yeah. the shit out of you for how you treat a server at a restaurant, but there I will not judge you for who you fuck. That is just not Amen. how it rolls. But you know, it's, it's funny. We own, we own a sex toy store and we see a huge, huge uptick lately in harnesses and dildos for strap-ons specifically targeted toward pegging. Now, whenever I do talk to a customer about that, they get very sheepish. They're like, so um, we're thinking about pegging and they usually have their wife reach out to me. And I'm like, yeah, let me talk to him true. for a minute. Let's let me help him, you know, understand that there's nothing wrong with this. It's perfectly normal. If you dig it, I'm just going to make sure you don't hurt yourself because as guys, we always want to buy the biggest, most bulbous, veiniest looking <laughs> dick we can find. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't go in your butt. Like we need to give you something that's a little smoother, a little smaller. Let's, let's, you know, baby yeah. steps. Right. Brothers only got 20 feet off the ground. All right. <laughs> Don't shoot for the stars there, cowboy. Yeah. One thing at a time for sure. Um, but again, like that's, that's brought with shame, right? Think, talking about pegging because the normal, and I want to say normal in a way that is like vanilla. So let's say the vanilla folks think that, if you're, if you identify as male or you have a prostate and you like to take it in the ass, you're gay. There's no bisexuality. It's not even about that. You're gay. Even if a woman is doing it, you're gay because you have something in your ass. That is, as we all know, not accurate, right? Absolutely not. That's craziness. But that kind of shame prevents people from enjoying things and being able to experience their life and their fantasies the way they want to. And a lot of people that I talk to, they they kind of confess to wanting to do all of these other things. They have all these fantasies. They have all these desires. But they feel so much shame 
because that they've internalized over the years of other people saying that's gross or that's dirty or don't do that or that's just not done, that they never really act on it. Or when they start to act on it, they just don't know how to approach it. Have you seen that a lot for couples or just individuals who are looking to enter an open or swinging environment coming from a monogamous background, maybe specifically a religious or, you know, really hardcore monogamous background. Yeah. So I, I, I'll take this one first, but you know, I, we absolutely do see it. We see it every day and it starts actually with the word you just used. You said they confess. Mm -hmm. Confession is indicative of shame. It's indicative of violating some tenet of some orchestration of your life that you've been given. Confession means I did something wrong and I have to tell you. Why do we not reveal? Why do we not admit? Why do we not announce? Why do we confess? We confess because we feel wrong. We feel wrong because the way we were taught. We feel like maybe we're breaking the vows of our marriage or we're breaking the sanctity of something else that we hold dear. Yeah, our relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about that sort of thing and what we hear from new people to non-monogamy, because I, you know, we've been called by a few media sources as a top of the funnel type podcast where people can feel very comfortable coming here, even if they're not lifestyle. And more than half of our listeners are actually not lifestyle at all. They just think we're insane. But you know, what we find out is that a lot of these people have a lot of questions. I actually had a guy message us on Instagram who openly said he was hurting himself because he thought that I was being... Uh, unfaithful to my wife in the eyes of God. And it made him want to hurt himself. I'm like, dude, you need a therapist more than you need a podcaster. But as it turns out, you know, with a little bit of conversation, he came back to earth and he, he messages questions all the time about his own sexuality. Now it turned out he had so much shame. That's what he was hurting himself over. And that's terrifying for us as, as content creators that first of all, we could hurt somebody with it. But second of all, that somebody would be so down on themselves that they would do that based on our lifestyle. That's just craziness. Yeah, and there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes we comes with you know replying in and of itself because we we're not doctors, we're not therapists, we're really nobody. We're just people that are putting themselves out there, and we love having dialogue. So in situations like that specifically, we have to toe the line very carefully because you can say something and it can be taken out of context or under advisement and you really, we're, we're not those people. We never want anyone to think that we're giving you a step-by-step -step guide and you have to follow directions here. But what I do love with the podcast is that we get these messages and a lot of them have to do with religion mm -hmm. or with stepping into the lifestyle and coming from a religious background. And I love that we get to have some conversation with people that's just it's normal and they kind of get a little bit of affirmation and like a, a virtual hug. Yeah, you're okay. Saying, you're, you're, not, you're not weird. There's tons of us out here. It's okay. It's good to talk about it. Um, I think repression's a very negative uh, force multiplier in uh, ourselves because it yeah. takes everything else and, and it just multiplies it. And repression is one of the worst things we can do to ourselves. So just getting out there and talk about it, even if you never act on it. It's very cathartic. But it's scary sometimes to, let's say you're with someone for, I don't know, years and you've been living with this desire to, maybe it's being pegged, maybe it's, you know, getting mm -hmm. flogged, maybe it's opening up your relationship. So many people I speak to who, you know, they 
were in monogamous relationships and it's only later in life or, you know, 10, 15 years after 20 years sometimes that they've been with one person that they decide to go into the lifestyle or they want to bring it up to their partner. It's usually not two people who are fully on the same page who are saying both at exactly the same time, let's do this. It's usually one other, one person bringing it up to someone else. But because of the shame and all these negative feelings that we have. What if they look at me differently? What if they think that they're not enough for me? What if they think I'm a pervert? Like you said before, you know, how do you start to kind of overcome that? A part of course, listening to your podcast, which is very relatable and is like you said, top of funnel in terms of you're both very approachable. Like it's, you know, it, it does feel like a natural conversation, but how can people start to overcome and shed some of those negative feelings and kind of feel more comfortable communicating to their partner that they have these needs and desires aside from just, I guess, vanilla in a not negative way, monogamy? Yeah, I think we've had conversations like this before and Mickey made a great point. I think, you know, every great relationship starts with communication and that that scales everything, lifestyle or not. And some of the not advice, but some things we've said to each other and other people is, I think it starts with talking about your fantasies and your desires to each other. You know, you have to lay a foundation to open up that communication, be comfortable talking about the, the larger pieces of the puzzle. Like maybe you, you do want to talk about pegging, but if you're not talking about sex in your bedroom right now, as it is, that's a huge leap. And the comfort level is going to change drastically. So maybe you have to take a few steps to get there. If you're not talking about fantasies or desires or how much you like, you know, your balls played with during oral, or if you're not talking about those things, it's, it's, that's, that's a huge uh, cavern from yeah. point A to point B. Yeah. Well, and these gaps grow over time. Okay. So if we talk about a relationship between a man and a woman, like, like an equation, there's an equal sign in the middle. And the man's on one side and the woman's on the other. If, if a man or a woman, it doesn't matter which one it is, feels these unrequited desires, these desires that are growing over time, and they're not communicating them to each other, then they grow and they shift and they change and they morph into things over time. But it is selfish and foolish to think that the other side doesn't have the same thing happening. Agreed. All yes. right. So it's for, for you to say, well, I have this thing that I want. That's the wrong way to approach it. And that's broken communication because mm -hmm. now I expect something of you. And it's really hard for me to come to you with my hat in my hand and say, I want something when you already have a hard day at work and you're thinking about meals in school and school starting and school shopping and this and all these other things. And I'm going to go, but, but I want a three-way. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. wrong fucking time to uh, talk about it. Yeah. Jack. Timing may be everything there. And a good way to say, like how we started the conversation for us and, and maybe it works for other people is Mickey started asking me about the things I like. He didn't even start with the things he liked. He asked me, which made me sit down and think about my sexuality and my desires a little bit more. And it made it a little easier to talk about the other things. And then I wanted to ask him questions. So. And, and off it went. But I tell you, one of the first questions she asked me was, so you want to fuck other people? That's what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, that was literally one of the first things that came out of her mouth before she was deciding whether or not she wanted to punch me in the face. But <laughs> You know, these things are incredibly common and in really kicking off that conversation, Mallory hit the nail on the head. Don't talk about you. Talk about them. Whether you're a male or female is irrelevant. 
get in their head and they will ask for entry to yours. I like that. That's a very good strategy. But, you know, I find that, especially as it, I guess, pertains to open relationships, I think that for the most part, people think that monogamy is a default setting. So basically going into, let's say, dating someone, they almost automatically assume that that person is monogamous or that maybe they're looking for a monogamous relationship or just sex or whatever. But if it were to become a relationship, chances are it would be monogamous. Now, we know that to not be true. And especially as, you know, younger and younger people are starting to become um, not even entertain monogamy as an option because of all these different forms of open relationships that they're learning are are good or acceptable, acceptable in quotations that no one can mm-hmm. see me do, acceptable. Um, you know, when you're first starting off and you're thinking about, you know, um, being with somebody, you're not necessarily sitting down, not everyone is not necessarily sitting down with someone saying, what does this look like for us? You know, what does monogamy look like? You, you know, is looking at someone else cheating for you? Is kissing someone else cheating for you? You know, we don't ask those questions often. We don't always ask our, our partners what they're into, what their desires are. I think a lot of assumptions, negative and sorry, negative, wrong assumptions get kind of mixed up in preventing us from asking our partners these questions early enough on in the relationship. What do you think about that? I think as human beings, we see uh, that side of the equation when we're going into a new relationship or, you know, or this confine of monogamy, our point of view is in a vacuum. It's, they're not reacting the way I would. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a human being default. Like it's, it's not right. It's hard to overcome as you're developing and growing your personal self. But I think it, it almost always starts that way. And it's, it's hard to break that, that trend um, without really open and blunt dialogue with your significant other or the person you're dating. Because how I love my husband and how he loves me, now we live each other equally as far as the volume goes, but not in the same way. He shows it differently than I do. And if I need to be shown a specific way, we actually talk about it. You have different love languages, which yes. is totally normal. But exactly the talking about it, like you said, it, the talking about it is important. Well, you you've been together for a decade and a half, almost, yep. almost. Okay, we're getting we're getting up there in years. How early on in in your relationship did you first start talking about all of these things, being open, bisexuality, playing with other women, like from, from the, you know, from what it seems like, you know, we're talking super early on. Like the third date? Yeah. Yeah. That's my fault. Yeah. So (laughs) she brought brought a friend out on a date with us uh, to bring home with us. Uh, It was very early on and she lost her nose ring and her pussy in the back of my buddy's car. No. Oh, yeah. I let him know right up front that I was slutty and that I love oh, yeah. girls. Nice. She woke yeah. up the next morning, couldn't find her nose ring, and she lost I, it in her I friend's pussy in the backseat. Oh, so bad. I had a tickle in my throat. I'm like, mm, oh, it feels strange. And then I washed my face and it was gone. And I'm like, I think I have to go to the hospital. Can you look up whether or not nose rings can perforate your esophagus or your intestines? Because this is bad. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really hot too. And then my buddy wouldn't leave. So I never did get my three-way. He hung out until, yeah. until it was too late. I, 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 I was really I, pissed. I think we were both at a point where we were very like open about a lot of things very, very early on because we were friends first too. Mm-hmm. So 
that actually happened by a fluke. I don't know if we planned the whole like threesome get together thing. I think it happened naturally, but you knew she was a play partner of mine. Yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew what was going on. I, and I didn't know that was swinging, by the way, at the time. Still no. kind of like oblivious to it. Yeah. And, you know, going back to something you said earlier, Lexi, so we were, we were kind of talking about, you know, admission and, and things like, and you said trust and you said cheating in the same sentence. Yep. And I, I really feel like those are misunderstood words. Oh, yes. Right? They're, they're completely misunderstood words because cheating isn't what we think it is. Trust isn't what we think it is. The one word that doesn't have any other definition is betrayal. So when we talk about trust, I say, I trust you to what, right? Yeah. I don't just trust you. I trust you to what? What do I trust you with? My heart, my life, my finances, my car, Yeah. right? Uh, to hand me a condom and not stick something through it, that'd be cool, right? Oh so I trust you means so many things. And to cheat is to betray, not just to have sex with somebody else. Yeah. And that's when we talk about cheating, we actually equate this betrayal with sex. And that makes it shameful. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually mischaracterizing it in common, in common nomenclature. And I think that that is, is something that we need to change. And I completely agree with you. I love how you just beautifully defined all of that because it's true. And again, you know, I think we were talking about this in a separate conversation about definitions of things and labels and words and what they mean, right? And how they can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. Like, People think that being in an open relationship is a free-for-all. And I hear this all the time. So you just oh, have yeah. sex with whoever you want. It's like, okay, we, you know, different people have different ways of going about it. Most, yeah. I'm most, not a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> right. So consent is a huge thing, right? Consent is super important. That also means your partner's consent to whatever it is right. you're doing. That's what the ethical or consensual part of non-monogamy comes in. So, you know, making sure that your partner is, maybe they don't know every detail, but that they're aware of what it is that you're doing and they're okay with that. You know, cheating in that sense or betraying someone can happen even in ethical non-monogamy and people don't seem to know that that is a thing that that can happen have you i mean in your personal experiences have you ever experienced that kind of feeling of you know not being fully on the same page about boundaries and having to readjust later yeah i mean i can throw myself on the sword for this one first if you want but yeah i'll go after yeah it's <laughs> uh i i actually have been in the lifestyle my entire life since I was 17 years old, pretty much officially. And I was married before Mallory and I cheated. I cheated and I was in the lifestyle. And, and I asked myself at the time, what kind of a dumbass are you? And, and of course I felt terrible about what I had done and that why did I feel terrible? Because there was a betrayal. That's what I felt terrible about. Not necessarily the act, but why did I do it? And, and why I did it was because the relationship was broken anyway. See, Lifestyle relationships can break just like regular ones can. Communication fails, respect fails, tolerance for people's idiosyncrasies fails, right? This is, this is where that whole, you know, reconcilable differences comes from. And they have nothing to do with sex, which means that a lifestyle marriage can fail for the same reasons a non-lifestyle relationship can fail and people cheat for the very same reasons. Yeah, I have to agree. And I don't know um, if this kind of like flows into the conversation here, but I'm going to add it in anyways. I've been very fortunate. I mean, we're very open, blunt, and I think that helps instill and secure that this is where our boundaries are because not much is off limits. But something I noticed about the dynamic that 
Mickey needs in a sexual relationship is still a little mental and emotional. And that used to set off some pretty significant red flags for me. I, I need to feel comfortable. I need to have a level of trust with my partners, but it, there's like a, a stopping point. So I wanted to investigate that a little further. And I think there was an element of betrayal that happened for both of us. When it first happened with him, I was taken aback. I didn't realize that was a, a discussion point we need to have. And it was really scary for me. But after the fact, I wanted to experience it as well. And I think that boundary or that, that experience for me actually went a little further than it should have in that uh, capacity. So, I mean, we've had challenges there too. We've, we've always overcome them. Yeah. You know, thank God he keeps me around. What she's saying is we screw shit up too. Yeah, right. of course, we're human. We all do. And, you know, it's funny because what she's talking about for me is that I need to get closer to somebody to want to have sex Mm -hmm. with them. It's it's in my head. Uh, I want to give a shit whether you live or die. So I'm just not that guy that's going to go rolling into the club and be like, she looks good. I'm going to hit that. Has it happened? Sure, it has. But that's a lot more unlikely than it is for me. And me wanting to get close to somebody emotionally or mentally uh, definitely set her off early oh, yeah. on. Freaked me out. Freaked me out so bad. I was like, he's going to fall in love with her. No, I I'm can't not. take it. <laughs> yeah. But it, was, it wasn't true. <laughs> well, that is a real thing that people can be afraid of at being swingers, you know, because there yeah. is a difference between being a swinger and being polyamorous. Yes. Because for most of us in the swinging lifestyle, yes, it's sex, but there's, yeah, there's I, myself too. I like to connect with, I was going to say my prey. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You are the succubus. I I told you. Oh, boy. Yeah. So maybe not that maybe succubus wasn't fully fictional after all. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not kidding. Um, So... But it, but it's true. When it comes to feeling really horny for someone or really wanting to fuck their brains out, for me, it does take that mental connection. Can uh-huh. I see someone sexy and say, okay, I'm going to fuck that person and do it and it's great? Yes. But for me, it's so much more intense and interesting and, you know, I, I get bored easily, right? So for me, it's a lot more interesting when there is a connection beyond just my body response to you. Yeah. So, but that can be threatening for people sometimes mm-hmm. because, for example, like myself and my husband, like we agree to not have emotional relationships with other people, but he is aware that I do develop friendships and other, you know, relationships that I guess are sexual mostly, but do have that friendship element to it. Some people might be threatened by that and feel like Mm -hmm. that could be a breaking point. Oh my God, what if she or he or they fall in love with someone else? Have you experienced that like from people in the lifestyle who have told you this? Has that ever been like a preoccupation for them? Oh yeah, I think a hundred percent. I mean, because at some point we were all new, right? To the situation. And I think that's a fear most of us have. Some people, it's deep-seated, and we talk about fear all the time, you know, false evidence appearing real. And it usually goes down to your own personal insecurities, in my experience. So, you know, if, if they are this intimate and they're so excited by them and they're doing all these things and I don't do these things, I'm not going to be enough. And if I'm not enough, they're going to leave me and I'm going to be alone. In general, when we come across those obstacles as we're trying to find out where we fit in the lifestyle or we're having new experiences, especially girls, and I hate to be gender specific with that, I think we, are, we live more emotionally in our heads and it's up front and in the moment. 
I think we start down that road and it could come across as envy or jealousy. And I, I think we've seen it with a, a lot of people that we were friends with, come in contact with, with our listeners. What do you think, Mickey? Oh, yeah, we see it all the time and yeah. we've seen it personally, right? We've, we've had oh, relationships yeah. where we've gotten a little too close for comfort and and maybe it's not our comfort. Maybe it's one of somebody on the other side. Oh yeah, that's true. So th- these things do happen. I mean, I, I have the conversation from time to time where ask yourself, when does sex begin? Does sex begin in the bedroom or does it begin when you meet and you first look at somebody in the eye? Does it, meet, does it start when you sit down at the table and start having conversation over dinner? Where does sex begin? For me, because it's so mental, it begins from the first time we talk to a couple or the first time I speak to the woman and really get to understand her. And by the way, because it starts then, by the time we get to the part that everybody categorizes as sex, typically, I already know what it's going to take. I already know what I need to do. And <laughs> Damn, stud. Well, that Jeez. for me, <laughs> I know. that's the turn on for me is to really understand that. I can't do that without having that connection, which means that couples that really eschew that sort of relationship and really chase the, I don't want to call them bedpost notches because that makes it sound negative, but really just the hit it and quit it. I only, I'm only here for the sex. Well, that's fantastic. We support you. We're just not the right couple for you. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes it's because one of the people is the driver and the other is just along for the ride. Sometimes it's because they're trying to avoid entanglements, emotional entanglements. And sometimes it's just concern. It's, it's fear. And we've seen all of it and we've seen all of it personally in our own relationships. And we see it in people we talk to, listeners that reach out. And I would say it's all okay. There's no wrong way to do it. What you just have to find is somebody that fits your puzzle piece and somebody that likes to do it the way you do. And if you do, you're going to have a good time. Just don't give anybody shit for not doing it your way. Exactly. Yes, that's so true. And, you know, that one size fits all, like there's only one way to be a, quote, good swinger. There's only one way to be polyamorous. There's only one way to be monogamous or whatever bullshit. It's not true. Every relationship is different. You're bringing in personalities and life experience and desire and fantasy and so much. It's impossible for two relationships, let alone two open relationships, to look exactly the same. So, you know, over time, talking a little bit about boundaries before, because every relationship, even if it's not open, has boundaries, right? It's some in monogamous relationships, it could be you don't fuck other people. That's, you know, very, very simple boundary. Or, you know, if you're like, if you're in an open relationship, maybe the agreement is you don't sleep over at that person's house after you have sex with them, or we only play with other people together, or you can't go on long extended vacations with other people. Example, what has, you know, um, I guess establishing or negotiating boundaries look like for you two as a couple? Oh, I'm getting the nod on this one. <laughs> I now, want to see what you have to say first. <laughs> boundaries have been a really interesting conversation for us as a couple. Because initially, again, you know, Mallory's first experiences officially, here's my quotes that no one can see. Uh, but, you know, officially in the lifestyle for us, it was all new. So we were figuring out what she was comfortable with because I don't think she believed necessarily She'd never seen or heard of my kinks before. So it was all very new for her. And she's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to do what? I, I can, seriously? Like, it, was, it was really interesting 
to see that when I, I took these gates off and my only real boundary, which still ties back to shame. So I still have them, by the way. So we're not preaching over here something that we don't experience. Don't embarrass me. Don't make me out to be a fool. Always be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Just if it's, I don't care how bad it is, just tell me, mm-hmm. right? And why don't embarrass me? Because I'm ashamed when I feel embarrassed. I'm ashamed when I feel like a fool. In, in anyone's eyes, especially hers, hers above all. And so the boundary that I set was so wide. And hers, because she was new, her boundaries for me were a lot more nebulous. They changed on the regular depending on how she felt or depending on what sort of relationship or how deep a conversation I was getting into with somebody else because some of those made her nervous early on. So the boundaries are, are living beings. Boundaries are not hard set. Yeah, I think it's a living organism and who I was then and who I am now are two different people. So the, I would move that target because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions in the immediacy. And there were certain things that made me uncomfortable and then certain times where I just let the floodgate go open. And I was like, go for it, do it do all of the things because this is really (laughs) hot for me. Um, And it's still a living organism. I think we're much better at communicating it. And now we can almost communicate it non-verbally. Yeah, that's true. It's it's very strange. Sometimes I wonder (laughs) if he can read my mind, which I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced he can. Uh, But we, we, it does depend on the situation because what if I'm uh, going out with my girlfriends and there's a, there's a sexual element there. What if, we're meeting a couple or we're in a, in a room with, you know, 10 other swingers. It could change depending on the situation. And it's just very important that we keep talking about it. But I don't think anything's necessarily off the table until one of us says, you know, hey, n- not tonight or not ever. Not as long as you tell me about it after. Oh, you do love stories. <laughs> well, that, and that's so true, you know, that idea of uh, boundaries being flexible and changing over time, right? We change over time. Yeah. So, you know, where I was with my desires or my, you know, my fantasies or my sexual interests, you know, 10 years ago, isn't where I'm at now. Okay. Maybe, you know, when things have escalated quite nicely over the last uh, decade and a bit. Right. So now my boundaries in my relationship are very different than even what they look like, I don't know, a year ago, but all of that comes with, like you were talking about communication. The fact that you feel like he's psychic Mallory is probably because you talked about stuff so much that you can anticipate what the other person is thinking and also what their eye movements mean or, you know, a little, little, you know, nonverbal communication when you're in the club, like, no, I don't want to play with that person or let's get the fuck out of here kind of thing. You know, like, you know, flashing the bat signal, you know, (laughs) if you need to, but that comes with time and that comes with communication. That's a very special thing. Oh yeah, we had a code word early on that we told our listeners about. We had to change the fucking code word because <laughs> and I keep forgetting the new code word. Code yeah, word. Right. I don't know, remember what it is now. Well, it used to be so we one of us would get up and go, "Hey, I'm going to go grab a drink. Do you want a Coors Light?" And if the answer was no, then it's get me out of here. Like I, I, I want away from this as fast as possible. If it's yes, then I'm into this. I want to stay. And okay. then is there a lot of times there's a lot of Coors Lights left on tables un, untouched. <laughs> <laughs> Like, aren't you going to drink your beer? Nope. That came up after a first date with somebody like, you guys ordered a lot of beer that night. I haven't seen you drink beer since. We're like, because we're into you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. That is awesome. Well, now I know your code word, so I'm going to know what to look for when I actually, you know, meet you two uh, face to face. So (laughs) 
Right. Well, if you see me standing there naked, you know what the code word is. I'm going to drop a 12-pack of Coors Light right on the table. Okay, Why is Mickey naked? Know. That's his code word. Good to know. I still never make assumptions because even in a sex club, if someone's naked in front of me, it doesn't mean they want to have sex with me. So That's true. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Awesome. I guess I have to stand there and hump the air like a chihuahua, but that'll be fine. You could, or you could just say, I want to fuck you, and that'll be a good enough <laughs> indication right. i'm very clear right when i'm in a sex club which now it's a bit different obviously we're talking about coronavirus times but i have been it's usually not men who will like reach out and touch me if i'm naked or like in the middle of an orgy it's women oh, it's women I, I could talk all day about the behavior of women we have like this idea that or we demand that it's consent right uh when we're talking about from the opposite sex, but we get in those environments and especially if there's girl on girl play and it's visible, yeah. girls feel very comfortable interjecting and touching and participating uninvited. And I, I, I have zero input as to what the psychology or the conversation they have with themselves that makes that acceptable. I don't know. I really wish I did because- it's- even having that conversation in the moment in the club, it's like, I didn't say this was okay. I, I know. I want to almost turn around, like shake, wag my hand and admonish him. Like if we were boys, this wouldn't be okay. <laughs> yes, it's true. And I mean, for me, it's, I don't know, it's harder almost as a woman, maybe because we're socialized to be nice mm-hmm. to everyone. It's mm-hmm. even harder for me to tell another woman no than it is for me to tell a man no. I don't know why. It's always just been like that. Do you have that experience, Mallory? I think so. I've gotten a lot better about it because I think I, if I don't say anything, I'm not really part of the problem, but I'm not improving the situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I make sure I take the opportunity to say something because maybe no one's ever told them no, because they felt uncomfortable. And if I have to be the first person to do it, then I'll do it. I'll do it in the nicest way possible. And if it goes ignored, then I'll be firm. Yeah. 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 Anatomy. Cause it's my body or my friend's body. That's right. So. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Oh, I'm happy. And, you, said and you got bit on the pussy at Hito. So I that, did. That happened. So oh my I, God. Yeah. Like in a good way. No, no, I'm not a big uh, a biter. I don't enjoy biting. Um, it was very unexpected. We were hanging out with a couple that was there on a day pass. They weren't there as guests. So it was very abnormal to see this behavior, but they were nice. And I think they went from like drink two to extremely drunk very, very, very fast. And we're all naked and we're getting out of the pool. And the next thing I know, um, she's chewing on it <laughs> and I'm being like held back. It was, it was a little traumatizing. A little yeah. traumatic. Yeah, we actually had to get involved because she wouldn't let go. Yeah, she literally would not let go. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that you had that I, experience. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. It was zero consent whatsoever. It was yeah. it was and it was really not good. Hours later before they left, um, she sobered up. I had like an apology as long as my arm. You know, she really didn't read that situation. They'd never been in it before. She felt awful. So I mean, bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. Deep into the pool. Yes. Oh my God. Well, you've been to, you know, let's talk about hedonism then real briefly. Cause you know, why not? Um, not sure. You know, talking about if, if, for those who don't know what hedonism is, I don't know who's listening here who doesn't know what hedo is, but anyway, um, we're talking about a naturist resort where, you know, sex can happen. Nudity. That's a good way to describe it. You no, know, well, cause it doesn't, it's not a given, right? You know, some people go just to be naked, not necessarily yeah. for, specifically for sex. Then they're perverts like us. And they say perverts in a great way, you know, who, okay, sex, yeah. uh, 
sex is on the table, you know. Um, what have your experiences been like at Hito? Is every, like, go ahead. Anyway, I, I, just, I see your facial expression. I'm like, so I'm just going to like freeform here. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's, there's just, it's so many things to so many different people, right? Hedonism isn't a thing, okay? It's, it's more of a feeling than it's anything else. So hedonism had a marketing tagline in the early 80s, said be wicked for a week. And that captured a lot of people's attention and imagination. There was an ad in the back of Playboy. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, it wasn't even called hedonism back then. It was called Negril Beach Village. And the tagline then was hedonism. And it was the definition and it had you know, a person dropping a bra on the ground. Of course, then it became after they became hedonism two, there never was a hedonism one. It was hedonism too, because in the early days, uh, one of the Issa family was touring the resort. And when he was touring the resort, he said, if the Garden of Eden was part of heaven, this must be hedonism too. And uh. that's where the name came from. Uh, and that's, that's a legend that's not proven anywhere, but that is a legend where the name came from. However, you know, the experiences that we've had there uh, really kind of go in tune with the new marketing tagline that came in the 90s, which was the mind, the body, the spirit, the soul. And those are really the pieces of hedonism that make it whatever your fantasies are. You know, it can be anything for you. It's, and if you, I mean, if you're an old fucker like me, you know, you remember Fantasy Island from like the 70s and it was Ricardo Montalban and, and, you know, tattoo, de play and de play and right. But in this island where everybody went to, everybody went to this island and they were something else while they were there. Were they rich? Maybe they were a singer, a dancer, maybe they were famous maybe they were a lover right there were all these things it could be and that's the thing about hedonism that really captures people and the reason why it still has to this day the highest repeat customer rate of any resort in the caribbean is because it is whatever you make it while you're there it, you know when the clothes fall off everyone's equal some not quite as equal as others let's be honest but you know when you get there, everyone can be anything they want to be. There's no social status anymore. Every room is exactly the same size, 288 of them exactly the same size. You can pay more for nicer accoutrements inside, but everybody gets the same service. Harry did this on purpose. He did this to say, this is a dude that's a billionaire. He could have a really, really nice setup. He doesn't. He stays in a regular guest room yeah. because when he's at Hito, everyone's the same. Everyone comes from the same place. And that is a beautiful thing about Hito. And our experiences have been all in that vein. We've had experiences of the mind, the body, the spirit, and the soul. And we've always come out of Hito better than we left. Wow. I feel like that was the best commercial for Hito ever. <laughs> like, fuck. I'm sitting, I'm sitting here trying to go, how do I add to that? Because I don't know that I can. It was well done, sir. Well done. Oh, well, thank you. Can you say that yeah. later? <laughs> I will. I'll even give you applause. If it's Is that <laughs> yeah. applause, not laughing, you know? So that's good. Uh, there may be laughter. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, you know, you can catch up. We've actually got a couple of episodes that are Hedo specific. We have one that's called One Time at Hedo. And we actually tell some of the stories from at Hedo. For example, there's one that we tell called The Italian Job where a woman shoved a fireball soaked gummy bears up a dude's ass and sucked him out on the side of the pool. That happened. Oh my, that's, oh, yeah. a, that's a, like, wow, that's such a visual. I'm just, my brain just kind of exploded a little bit. I was there, mine yeah. did too. I think everyone that was in the pool that day bonded were forever connected to each other after yeah. that experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the island of lost. Like everyone bonded together. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> we were like, I saw it too, man. I was there. Yeah. 
<laughs> Minus the terrible ending, but okay. <laughs> oh, it was horrific. I've never heard that pool fall silent, like literally record scratch. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Oh my God. As folks who are open, who love, you know, the idea of having the freedom of a place like Hedo, but now we're kind of trapped, I want to say, with mm -hmm. coronavirus and all of us non-monogamous are some of us more than others, myself, maybe more than some others, freaking out a little bit because it is very tough. It's tough to go back to, you know, monogamy or go into a place where we can't freely like enjoy a space like keto. You know, we can't all be roaming around naked with no masks on and just doing whatever we want if we want to, you know, consensually, of course, with other people. We, these are things that we just can't do now. What would you suggest we do to kind of recapture some of that magic in a safe way? Is there a safe way to do it? Is this going to, you know, is coronavirus going to completely change the way we swing? I think that's a great question. And I think that's going to be very personal to everybody, kind of how like we started to take the taboo out of asking each other about what our STD, last STD test was, right? Yeah. It could absolutely change the dynamic. So the way I look at myself, my relationship and how I define myself, that swinging and, and non-monogamy is a part of me. It's not me in my entirety. Yeah. And it, but it has been difficult being isolated and away from the environments that I enjoy so much that include those things. So something we've been doing personally is doing a lot more video dates. And I know it's not the same, but in the interim, it's a great way to connect with folks. Some of these dates are naked. Some of them are a little playful. Sometimes it's kind of like a private porn session. Sometimes it's just playing games and talking and having a drink and cheers in each other. Again, that's, that's something that's ever evolving. Now for us in the U.S., we can absolutely travel to Jamaica and book that trip. I think there's a lot of questions that come to, come to mind. Um, you know, is, am I comfortable in that environment? Am I going to hold myself personally accountable for my behavior? And where am I comfortable? So I think for our personal situation, it's a little different. As it sits right now, we're planning to go into November unless something changes. I mean, that's, that's something we discussed at length. And yeah, I yeah. think. I mean, I was there in June yeah. uh, and I went down to write a story for ASN Magazine uh, and just kind of check it out and get a feeling for what was happening. It was, yeah. I was down there at their inv invitation. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. So, uh, and I think right now that's kind of our light at the end of the tunnel for us. And not, all, not everybody has that right now. Yeah. No, they so. don't. So as, as swingers, one of the things that we have, and I know you said earlier that swingers are, are is kind of a negative connotation, but I, I refuse to allow anything to be negative uh, when it describes somebody that doesn't give a shit. And I'm definitely one of those people. So, <laughs> but, you know, fear is a really difficult emotion to deal with. And anyone that says they're not afraid right now isn't paying attention, mm -hmm. right? And not afraid of a virus, not afraid of politics or life or money or economies or any of those things. It's just, Fear that things aren't going to go back to normal. Fear that things aren't going to be okay. And who wants to fuck in a horror movie? Nobody does. And that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. So as, you know, being forced back into monogamy isn't the problem. It's that we really, we're, there's uncertainty and there's, there's trepidation at every level of a person's psychological profile right now. And that's really hard. That's a really hard place to get sexy. That's a really hard place to feel like you want to screw even somebody that you love screwing that you're married to. Yeah. And it's, believe me, we're not non-monogamous because we don't like fucking each other. I promise you that's not the case. <laughs> now, that being said, we're not, yeah, that certainly doesn't translate to a, a pandemic, 
right? And so my son earlier today, I was out with him and he said, you know, this epidemic, I said, the only epidemic we have right now is human stupidity. We have a pandemic right now and the pandemic is a virus and human stupidity is not making it any easier, right? And so, and that's leading to fear and generating more fear and those fears are keeping us from connecting with each other. So how can we get past it? One of the things Mallory said, these video dates, you know, first of all, everybody's fucking tired of Zoom right now. We know we are, but I want you to think about something. In today's world economy, we actually are seeing companies that are spreading their breadth, right? They're not local anymore. They're able to sell to people all over the world because they can have conversations with things like Zoom and Google Meet. They can expand their footprint. You can do the same thing as a swinger with these video dates. You can meet people in a city that you had really never thought about going to before. That's, and a, great, that's a great example. Yeah, we've had yeah. dates with people all over the country. Our favorite dates, a couple in Phoenix. They're so awesome. And we live in Orlando. So what are we going to do when shit, when shit finally breaks off? We're going to fucking Phoenix, I promise. <laughs> you know. But So it gives you a reason to travel. It gives you a reason to experience. The thing you need to combat fear is hope. That's what you need. And that's what we have to work toward. We have to find things to be hopeful for if you want to get through this. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like, I want to go to Hedo in November. (laughs) Bring it, baby. We got you. Uh, I mean, that sounds great. And you're right. You know, I think it's amazing that, you know, you're using the video dating also as like an opportunity to spread your wings and try new things and new people in new places. That's something that you couldn't do if you're just relying on face-to-face meetings, like in your well, local areas. Let so. me tell you how, because if you're not, if you're using SDC, there's an easy way to do it. Set up travel in your SDC profile. Yep. Say you're going to a city. It doesn't matter that you're not actually going. Because everyone that's there is going to get a notice in their email that you have upcoming travel to their city. So they're going to see your profile. And when they do, they click on your picture. They think it's hot. They're going to send you a message. Like, you know what? I don't know when I'm coming to your city, but I'd love to hang out with you. Yeah. We've actually gotten pretty lucky using that function. Just throwing it out there. It's awesome. It's a great way to- sneaky. I like it. Yeah. It's a a great way to do it. It And then then set up those video dates and start those conversations. And when you do show up in their city, you're going to have a tour guide that knows you, that knows what you like, that knows where the places they want to take you. You're going to have a great time. That is great advice. I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to be sneaky with my travel plans. I might be heading to Orlando. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Uh, I'll just make it. I'll make a list now. Get in line. Uh, well, until that time uh, that, you know, uh, we're, we're able to travel and, you know, see each other face to face and that other people can connect with you too. Why don't you tell everybody how they can reach you in the meantime? Oh, I'm getting a little look. Um, we're Casual Swinger everywhere. You can visit our website, casualswinger.com and shoot us messages at podcast at Casual Swinger. We do love affirmations. So uh, we're on all of the platforms to listen to our podcast, which is Casual Swinger. If you love it, um, iTunes reviews are awesome. And we're on dating sites, of course, uh, SDC, obviously. And uh, yeah. I'm following you already on all the things on the social platform. So definitely give their podcast a listen if you have not already. And I just want to thank both of you so much for such a great time. We have had quite a day because before this, we were talking (laughs) even longer. So I'm sure you're sick of me by now, but I am not sick of you and I cannot wait to hear more. And uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up of this podcast in the future, but I really appreciate you taking the time and helping educate our community. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Lexi. 
Yeah, this was a blast. And I, I'm sorry, we're just not going to get tired of looking nope, at you, Lexi. And every time, every time you lean to the left or right, I see your butt in the background. So it really doesn't suck. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah. For, I mean, for those of you listening who can't see, I have a uh, poster of my book cover for mating season, my uh, collection of erotic stories on which um, is my ass. There's a picture of me <laughs> and my ass wearing some lingerie and some very uh, demonic wings. So um, yeah, that's that's what they're seeing in the background. So they get the frontal view of my face. And then whenever I lean, they see my ass. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just took it to a dirty place. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thank you both again so much. And um, that wraps up this week's episode, everyone. And don't forget that you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek, discover, and connect at sdc.com. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC and try it out for yourself. Tune in Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Variety Channel for my next show. And you can always get my podcast episodes on demand whenever you want them on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality. 